0: What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
1: You know, we had we had spent, you know, pre, pre-lockdown, we had spent two years building this company. And, you know, it really was with a very small, scrappy team, learning as we went, um, and applying, applying those learnings to continue to grow. And we were growing obviously at a, at a nice pace, uh, pre COVID. And then all of a sudden there was, um, it was even before the shelter in place, uh, order came, but I remember Mark coming into the conference room and saying to me, we have to close the studio. We have to send everyone home. The world is shutting down. And I was just in shock and in disbelief. And we called everyone into our studio and we said, Hey guys, this is happening. Grab your computers, go home the live day had just wrapped. We sent everyone home. I remember sitting at the control with Mark and we were writing a letter to our members because we also were the marketing department and the tech department and everything else. Um, And I remember us writing this email to our members um, with literally tears in our eyes, having built this business, just saying like, we want to be here for you. We will be back as soon as we can.
2: You're listening to What I Know from Inc. Magazine. I'm Christine Ligorio Chapkin. Today's episode Adapting Under Pressure. So many businesses suffered or shuddered over the last year, and then if few totally blossomed. Things folks could do alone or at home or from their computer were plunged suddenly into a whole new phase of growth. One business that did really well was Obey Fitness. It's a virtual workout studio with live and replay video classes hosted by charismatic instructors bopping to hip hop and pop and conducting everything from meditation to trampoline workouts. As consumers were locked out of their gyms, its audience for $27 a month classes grew 80% month over month. The company behind Obey was less than three years old at that moment of wild expansion. Turns out its founders, Mark Millett and Ashley Mills, had started out as near adversaries. They were competitors at their former jobs. Both had been talent agents working in a very similar niche until they started working together. When they did, they became fast friends. And turned out, they shared a vision for turning high-end fitness studios into something more accessible.
0: But we really first figured it out one day sitting around in my living room. Uh, we were, it was a weekend, we, were, we had a couple glasses of wine at lunch and we basically said, wait a minute, we have a huge opportunity ahead of us in the fitness space. We are taking classes with each other. We are obsessed with the boutique fitness economy of New York and LA. We built massive lifestyle content brands and people across Food Network and Bravo and HGTV and uh, new content homes like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. Let's take this concept of fitness every day from the best instructors on the planet and let's bring it to the world. And let's do it and make it fun and make it branded and make it cool and topical and special and unique. Um, and that's really where that went down. But it went down in a living room with a glass of red wine with our respective significant others there, not only buying into to the the direction, but Ash, I would say it made us accountable, right?
1: It absolutely made us accountable. It was sort of um, you know, it was this moment where, you know, we had, we had talked about wanting to do something and, and figuring out what that thing was. And then in that moment, it was like, we had buy-in from our significant others because it's a very, you know, it's a very big leap to take both financially and personally and time in your life. I had a young, uh, my son was gosh, not even a year yet. Um, and so we had, we had sort of like buy-in, we decided we were doing it. And then the accountability was super important because like, once you make a decision like that, you've, you've started down this path.
2: Um, and so wait, so, so, so back up, you two had the idea you'd already kind of hashed it out like together at this point, And you were then pitching it to your significant others. You were like, okay, we're going to quit our jobs and start this new thing. Is that what that glass of wine was about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have ideas with friends all the time that you sort of like banter back and forth and you're, you're serious ish about it, but it's not like we're do- making this decision and we're doing it. That was the moment where. Like the rubber hit the road, and we were like, okay, the, we're we're doing this. We're, we've all decided it. We've decided it together. This is a big sort of life decision. We left. I certainly left Mark's house, feeling like, okay, this is this is this is the next step. This is um this is the moment in time, in our lives where we're gonna really go for and, it.
0: And also, you know, Christine, with with the right partner, right? You you come across people, um, in your personal and professional life you know, all day long and and great interactions and great connectivity. But when there's a spark, there's a spark. And that goes obviously for, you know, personal and romantic relationships. And it goes for professional relationships too. For Ash and I, it obviously extends, you know, it's, it's deep personal respect, but also deep professional respect. And we walked away knowing that one plus one equals three in this situation. And if anyone was going to, you know, take on this new world of fitness content—not only at home, but just on the go, everywhere, fitness at your fingertips, all day, every day. Fitness lifestyle, creating a category and a brand um, around it. We we knew it was us, and so Ashley, your point—you know—we left that red wine, you know, sitting sort of cross-legged on the on the floor around a coffee table with some with some pep in our step.
2: So, what was it like when you actually had to talk to your boss and say we are? We are quitting. We are launching our own company. How did that go?
0: Yeah, I, I you know that that is <laughs> those moments are always challenging um, because you kind of worked yourself up in the weeks before it, right? And that day of, oh, the jitters are high. Um, to to tell um, a boss, to tell an employer, to tell a a team and a company whom you love and have deep admiration for in all ways, shapes, and forms that. You're actually going to take, you know, take your ship in another direction. And so that's sort of a jarring moment. And, you know, one, one that we, you know, recall, um, you know, very vividly. And I think that what's important to remember is, you know, we worked at a place where culture was so deeply important back when we were at CA, where, where, where it was an environment where people really took care of each other and colleagues really took care of each other. And part of that is supporting people um, in life moments. And I think because of the way that those connections were formed with our previous employer, we received support. We received uh, a lot of support. And, and, you know, how can I help? What can I do? This sounds cool. I'm here for you. And I have to tell you, and and this may not be specific for everyone out there uh, who's been in this situation. I'm sure it's not. But um, three years later or four years later now, if if you do the math, our previous employer has been nothing but supportive and helpful and additive to our efforts and I Ashley and I are deeply grateful for that but it's nerve-wracking it's nerve-wracking
2: yeah 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 I imagine um and and I imagine that you brought some of your um your your talent scouting skills to your new roles um can you can you tell me about how you recruited the the first instructors um did you have to pitch them really hard on on you know not just teaching a live class with with a dozen or two dozen folks but you know broadcasting to the internet
1: it was a it, pitching that was a very sort of difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around um because you know at the time like peloton existed but it, it was not a well-known thing and and people knew about fitness videos but this idea of it being live and immersive and calling people's names that was that was something new that we were p- pitching to fitness instructors who, um, you know, a lot of the folks that we went to uh, and continue to go to have a performative background. So a lot of folks came from Broadway, and they came from, um, you know, doing television and movies, and they had gotten into fitness um, as a way of like taking care of their bodies and earning extra money. You know, they they, they certainly understood like the skill set that would be needed, and and that's that was our approach to to finding talent, which worked really well. You know there were there were many many classes taken by Mark and I where we would you know go and take class with an instructor and um, you know go to them afterwards and and try and explain what we were doing and they looked at us like we had three heads and they were really unsure and no one knew what what this new kind of like model looked like and felt like but you know we found some really amazing people and we did whatever it took to to get them on board you know, sometimes we would find people on Instagram and we would DM them and have these nice conversations. And we couldn't tell them a whole lot about what we were building. And we asked them to come meet and audition in these rehearsal studios. And so, you know, now like hearing what it was like on the receiving end from folks, they were like, it was so weird, but like, I guess I sort of trusted it and I showed up and I auditioned and obviously, you know, meeting, meeting us was, um, a lot less, I guess, scary than, than perhaps they thought it would be initially, but you know, when it comes to casting, you sort of do whatever it takes and, you know, Mark and I as, as, as agents and being very entrepreneurial, sometimes you're going for these massive stars. And there were other times where you're going for people who have like no real interest in, in being on television, but you think that they have a really specific voice and so um while it might seem you know kind of wild all of the different iterations of how we got to people it's a skill set that we knew and we're very entrepreneurial and very um personable and social and um you know we sort of like leave it all in the field and so yeah it was a it was sort of an interesting uh it was an interesting time for us but we knew how to pitch people and and we were very excited about the idea and i think people could could sense that passion
2: yeah yeah that makes sense um and i mean the the transition of fitness from studios or from, you know, 80s VHS tapes, you know, to an, a fully online immersive experience has been kind of a long time in the coming. It is no offense, like a very obvious and obviously good idea. Right. Um, And to actually make it happen, though, um, no one had really done it so seamlessly before. And so I imagine that that was just a set of challenges, just a set of hurdles and hurdles and hurdles to get past that. that re- There's reasons people hadn't done it um, in the same way that you had in the, in the past. So you're a 2018 now, I believe. Did you have a name? Did you have a, a business model when you got started? Did you set out right away just to pitch venture capitalists and, and get, get funding? What was your first step?
1: Yeah. So I think the first step sort of after, after this conversation at Mark's house, where we decided that this is what we were going to do and we were going to chart the path forward. It was really, um, you know, going to our networks and, and figuring out how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to fund it? Who are we going to cast? Um, And we did it in a very grassroots way. We didn't go raise $20 million and have, you know, all of these people and hire, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't our path. It really was about, you know, who can we network? Who can we take to coffee? Who can we, uh, who can we get in front of to share what this idea is and see how they can help us? So we met with an executive at a, at a big at a big cable network who introduced us to a lighting designer. And, um, you know, it it that's really how a lot of this stuff sort of came to be. We relied on relationships that we had of people that we knew who had created content in the health and wellness area and brought them on and asked them to help us um, film and create what would become our sales materials. We wanted to see if people wanted this to be live or or if it should be an on-demand service. And so we did a little Facebook Live test that we put on my my Facebook, and I had a thousand friends, and there were eight thousand views um, at the end of it, and people like stuck around for forty-five minutes. And so that was like an important part of the narrative storytelling when we did go and pitch friends and family and try and get investment. So we were scrappy, and we utilized the people in our lives to to help put it together. And
0: you know, I think I think explaining to people that they're there. Um, before you've gone to market with with any product is a big part of the challenge. If you are pitching investors or you are pitching partners and all you have is some, some sales materials, they're really betting on the founding team and that vision. And I think that we have the great fortune of surrounding ourselves with people who understood where we were going. But again, by the same token, to your point, Christine, you know, We we didn't invent we did not invent the idea of working out at home. You know we had we just we're just doing it a lot better. Um, And we had moms who worked out at home in the '80s. I grew up in Syracuse, New York. Ashley grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Our moms who are randomly both named Terry. I don't know if that's (laughs) some some cosmic thing. Worked out to Richard Simmons and Jane Fonda, and you know they were having a blast in our in our in our little living rooms. But when they hit number three on the VHS, it was time to rewind and do it all over again. And that didn't seem right either, right? This idea of repeating something day after day, it's like eating the same food meal after meal. You know, no one wants to do that. And by the way, it's not a great way to go on an exercise journey anyways. You've got to switch it up. You've got to stay active. You've got to confuse your muscle memory. You've got to do all that great stuff. And we wanted to create this topical experience that we knew could only come from people who uh, have been in the entertainment business. And that's really where our skill set came into play here. And when we were talking to investors and partners, is we wanted to create an entertainment network. We wanted to get people fit and engaged and connected and keep them moving and grooving and having a great time in ways that no one's done before. And I remember, you know, even from the pitching perspective, Ashley and I in our old jobs, we'd have to pitch all the time. We'd be pitching networks, pitching talent, pitching, you name it. I remember our first Uh, uh, investment pitch, I was, I was, I was sweating. Like you've never seen someone sweat before I was drenched. And it was with, with a, with a friend of mine, we were pitching someone I knew I was very comfortable with him. I I was going through paper towel after paper towel. And I walked away from that. Ash, do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Super well.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, I had never
1: seen Mark so nervous.
0: I I'm not, I'm really, I, I don't think I'm a very nervous person. I that that is a moment in time I will never forget. And and I remember after that meeting, we quickly uh became well versed on how to talk about what we were building and what what we would be doing next. And that was a great learning experience.
2: I want to, Mark, if you don't mind, can you bring us up to speed three years later? What is Obey today?
0: Yeah, um, Obey is a first of its kind. Um you know, entertainment network, fitness lifestyle platform, and, and really strong community that keeps an audience of really, really fabulous members engaged every single day around movement. We are technology enabled, and we are really here to let our, our community be their best selves, live their best lives. And we are a brand that has their back in the process. So what does that all mean? It means that we are broadcasting 22 live fitness classes every day with an on-demand library of almost 6,000 classes that we add to every day across so many modalities. They don't require equipment, hand weights and sliders and resistance bands at most. But we are really providing fitness that you can do anywhere. Your living room, your basement, your hotel, your office, your garage, outside by the pool, wherever you are, whatever your skill level is, if you're just getting back in the game, if you're trying out exercise for the first time, or if you've run 10 marathons, we have content for you and we have an instructor for you too. And we do it in a way that's fun, 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 and results-driven as well, of course.
2: Great. And it's pretty affordable. What is it? Like, t- is it $27 a month? Am I right on that?
0: Yeah, we're $27 a month, $199 annually. And that is for unlimited classes. So if you look at, you know, we live in New York City. The cost of a, of a premium uh, cycling class, indoor cycling class in New York City is about $34, right? So for less than the cost of one indoor cycling class where we live, you have unlimited classes at your fingertips. And we hear from our members all the time. And by the way, this is pre-COVID as well. We hear from our members. They have never worked out so much. They have never had so much fun. They have never been so confident and who they are um, uh, as as a lover of fitness and as a lover of life, and, and for Ashley and I, that's the most gratifying part of the process.
2: That's great. I want to talk to you about COVID. I want to talk to you about um, the talent that you have recruited since starting Obey. Um, but I want to first um, ask you to think back now to that first um, the the kind of first demo materials you put together, the first um, idea that you had when the when the idea was young what things 3 years later have survived and and what haven't do you, does anything surprise you there in terms of what what you came up with um in the really early days that's really persevered in terms of even you know even granular things
1: so when we when we were creating those early sales materials we spent what felt like a fortune to create this sizzle tape that we were going to go use to sell investors. You know, we found the studio in, in Brooklyn. We had a full crew. It was all shot on a green screen. And then we we sort of superimposed these backgrounds to try and create what, what our set ended up becoming, which is this um, beautifully immersive light box. And so it was, you know, looking back on it now, it was sort of like all of these, you know, what you would think of like zoom backgrounds, like these bad, these bad green screen backgrounds, but it was, you know, it's really, it's really funny (laughs) to look back at now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't have the light box. No, we didn't have the light
1: box that, that came later. And you know, that was something that was like a really fun part of the experience to build. But you know, in the beginning where you're just trying to show a concept and you don't have a ton of money to build out a set, you know, you sort of do with what you have. And so that's what we did at the time. The other thing that was really interesting in the early days is we were we were planning on creating a lot of content that used equipment. And so we had a treadmill and ellipticals and uh, all of the stuff that was on set for, for that shoot date. And what we decided later on was that, you know in order to um, create adoption and to get people, especially if we wanted them to work out from home or work out on the go on vacation or traveling, whatever the case may be, we needed to make sure that these workouts didn't require much to start with. And so that was, that was sort of a fundamental shift that we made early on when we launched the product. Um, we actually launched with four different class types and all of them could be done without equipment. And then you could level up as you got stronger um, using, you know, as Mark had mentioned, you know, hand weights and resistance bands and so on and so forth.
2: Yeah. That makes so much sense. Um, I, I sort of started to think of a okay, as sort of like the, the anti, you know, mirror or Peloton, you know, like you don't need this expensive device aside from, you know, your phone or your laptop that you already have in your bedroom.
0: Yeah Christine, for, for us, our, our definition of connected fitness is being connected um, to, you know, a great experience uh, on any screen at your fingertips, and connecting you also to a community um, that has your back, no matter where they are. It could be in your own town or they could be you know, states away. Um, but connected fitness for us really means um, getting people together and moving together and having this really great shared fitness experience. It doesn't necessarily mean you know a $1000 plus plus uh price tag uh for equipment along with it.
2: Right, absolutely. Um so, Mark, getting getting the actual real estate in Brooklyn was a big milestone for for you guys in the first year. Um, and and Ashley mentioned that it was really fun building out the studio for recording live um, online instruction. Um, it to me, it, it's kind of cool. It looks like um, it looks like that that Drake video a little bit. It's like that, like you said, it's a light box um, changes colors. What were there any big hurdles um, in building out the studio or in getting that that space? I know you've actually expanded to more space this this past year can you talk about the the physical aspect of the business
0: yeah you know to your point about sort of the unique visual identity of the brand since we concepted obey we wanted it to be you know beautiful and and visually arresting in every way we wanted to create something that looked different and felt different in the same way that our workouts we're different every day. We wanted the background to be different. We wanted something that if you were going to cast it up to your smart TV, it would flood the room with color and light and happiness and really make you feel like you were in your own, your own music video. And so when we were looking at spaces, we had to find a, produ- a space that could accommodate production, that could accommodate a set, which meant really, really high ceilings, um, but it also to accommodate our budget. And that was a challenge unto itself. And so What I remember at that moment in time was we were looking at every space we could in Manhattan that we thought we could afford. They were pretty downtrodden. And one day the realtor said, well, there's a space in Dumbo. It's cool. You guys have to check it out. Soho House is opening there. The wing is opening there. Go check it out. And we got in a cab and we went. And Ashley and I looked at each other. We took a selfie by the Brooklyn Bridge. We looked at the building. We said, this is is home. And that moment in time, Christine was was a milestone because when we made that decision, that meant that it was time to start negotiating that lease. That meant it was, this was real. This commitment was real. We had taken on investor capital. We were signing a multi-year lease. And that moment in signing that lease, I will, I will never forget. We absolutely love the community of, of, of Dumbo. And then getting that set built, honestly, we met with so many lighting designers, so many set designers, and all it really took was a little sketch on an iPad that we did, um, with, with an Apple pencil and some color and and some basic design. And we found the right person who said, I know exactly what that is. And I understand your budget and I'm going to get this done for you. And they got it done really, really fast. And Ashley, if you recall, that was between December, between Christmas and new years of uh, 2017, 2018. And Ashley and I had spent our time in Dumbo watching that set being erected, and and it was go time.
2: Wow, that's incredible. What's your um? What do you remember uh, as challenging from that period, Ashley?
1: Oh, there's so many things that were so challenging. We did we did a beta period um, for a couple of months where we were filming content three days a week, and we were doing the full slate of programming. And we launched with I think we launched with 12 hour or 12 uh, live classes, so it was a lot of hours of programming. And we didn't have any people yet. We had a crew, but we didn't have anyone to put names on the, you know, on the board for the instructor so that they could call out people at home. And um, so Mark and I, you know, we woke up very early in the morning. Our first live class started at 6 a.m. And so we were in the studio at 5 a.m. We were putting names on the board. We were, you know, hyping up talent to get ready to perform basically like in an empty studio without having anyone else in there other than us. Uh, and we would dance along to the dance classes, and we would do take the sculpt classes, so that they felt the energy in the room. But yeah, it was a it was a very uh, intense period. It was exhausting. There was no team; like it really was Mark and I, and a couple of other folks, and some folks in production. You know, we didn't go and raise a bunch of venture capital money and have expert marketers and tech people. Uh, it really was just us having to figure it out but on the go, which in the end served us incredibly well. And we didn't overspend, which is I think what a lot of folks do um, that are in our shoes. And that doesn't always work out very well. Those were hard, long days, but we learned so much in that, you know, in that those sort of early formative uh, months.
2: Yeah. It's, it's about like getting your hands dirty, right. And like understanding every aspect of the business. Exactly.
0: Those mornings were so early and we did that Literally seven days a week, we were in the office between five fifteen and five forty-five, seven days a week, and leaving between seven thirty and eight at night. I remember when we first started the beta. There was someone on the production team that on day three looked at us and he's like, "I'm not doing this." He's <laughs> like, "I didn't sign up. For, I didn't, I'm not. I didn't sign up for the the Today Show. I didn't sign up for a morning show um, because it was so early." And um, anyone who's in in daily live TV or news, uh, or the fitness business knows that those doors get unlocked between, you know, four and five in the morning, um, part of the gig.
2: When we come back, I'll talk with Ashley and Mark about how a fresh wave of competition took hold this year and how they adapted.
0: Visit Slack.com to get started.
2: You opened it up to to everyone shortly after the beta and have been growing ever since. Um, And uh, I want to talk to you about this past year in particular, because as soon as the pandemic hit the United States and as soon as the lockdown, first lockdown hit um, cities, your growth was just through the roof. Um, how how did you respond to that as a company, um, Ashley? I'll let you I'll let you speak to that first.
1: Sure. So um, you know we had we had spent you know pre pre lockdown we had spent two years building this company, and you know it really was with a very small scrappy team learning as we went um, and applying applying those learnings to continue to grow. And we were growing obviously at a at a nice pace uh, pre COVID. And then all of a sudden there was, um, it was even before the shelter in place uh, order came, but I remember Mark coming into the conference room and saying to me, we have to close the studio. We have to send everyone home. The world is shutting down. And I was just in shock and in disbelief. And we called everyone into our studio and we said, hey guys, this is happening. Grab your computers, go home. The live day had just wrapped. We sent everyone home. I remember sitting at the control with Mark and we were writing a letter to our members because we also were the marketing department and the tech department and everything else. Um and I remember us writing this email to our members um with literally tears in our eyes having built this business just saying like we want to be here for you. We will be back as soon as we can and you know luckily we have a studio that um there's there's ample space social distancing is is very possible. We don't need a lot of people to run the studio and so We, anybody who for the next couple of days who could walk to the studio or bike to the studio, who could sit very far apart, um, we created some content, you know, in a very safe way that was going to satiate the audience, which was meditation content and kids content, stuff that seniors content, content uh, verticals that we were not in, that we had thought about being in, but we were really looking at this from a place of service. Like how can we best serve people when the world is shutting down? And we don't know what this means. This could be two weeks. This could be two months. Who knows? That's what happened in those sort of like initial days of COVID. And then, you know, obviously, you know, as we know now, there was this huge growth in at-home fitness and we were, um, you know, we felt so blessed to be a place for people to find refuge and to find support and community um, and to move when, when people were, you know, very isolated at home. And so we saw, you know, obviously tremendous growth during that period, we were also like figuring out how to get cameras into people's homes for our instructors and, and teach live classes shortly thereafter. Um, because of because of the way that our production works, we were we were able to reopen as an essential service um, and continue to deliver a really great high quality product and, and be there for people when they needed us most.
2: Yeah, that that's fascinating. And what what's really interesting is that initial impulse that once things shut down. To branch into new areas and to try different things to service the community, to to try that that content for kids or meditation stuff. Um, where did that impulse come from? Um I, I think it's it's counterintuitive sometimes to in a difficult moment go to a new place.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, for us, we were able to you know, create additional uh, verticals of content in that moment because we knew people needed it. We knew people needed it. We knew they needed us. They needed our our talent. They needed um, each other. And so, you know, when you are confined to uh, the four walls of a home, so to speak, chances are you might have other people with you. You might have children. You might have seniors. You know, and we wanted to make sure that we had content for the entire family. Um, We wanted to make sure that for, Um, our member who had perhaps, you know, parents in their eighties, right. Who would be used to going to physical therapy or going for a walk that they had really nice um, stability based chair content to stretch and, 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 and move at home. Um, And on the meditative front, you know, everybody needs um, a shoulder to lean on all the time, right? But, but specifically in COVID and specifically in that first, those first couple of weeks, those first couple of months, we wanted to make sure that we were giving people really topical meditative content to sort of soothe and calm in a really uncertain time. And I think that that unto itself speaks to who we are as a company. You know, we are really about sating the needs of our members, their tastes, their preferences, their families at any time based on what's going on. If it's the summertime, we're gonna give you outdoor workouts. If it's Christmas time, we're gonna give you um, some fun theme classes. If it's New Year's, we're gonna give you a new program to jumpstart your routine. And if it's an unfortunate worldwide uh, pandemic an unprecedented time, we're gonna give you the tools um, to help you cope and move and be strong as best best we all can. And that just really speaks to to our philosophy um, as founders and as far as the culture within our organization.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. And Ashley, how do you motivate your team during a time like that? I mean, you guys were you were growing fast in terms of of hiring yourselves at the time and to tell everyone, okay, you need to go home and also, okay, we need to rethink what we're doing here. How did how did you motivate folks through that?
1: That was um that that was a challenge, and I think that remains a challenge when we're, you know, when we're communicating over video conference. Um, we've we've grown so much in the last in the last year. I think in the very early days, everyone on our team was very motivated by obviously the growth that we were seeing but but moreover the service that we were able to provide for people and and the programming decisions that we were making to make sure that we could support sort of the world at large. And so i think in the early days that was a that was a big contributing factor to keep people motivated. Knowing that, like they had other stuff going on in their lives, whether you know you're a young woman in your apartment alone in Brooklyn, or you're you know faced with having um, you know your husband home and your two kids, and and you're doing everything uh, and trying to figure it out. So that certainly um, that was a very specific point in time. And then I think as the as the pandemic sort of raged on, we were all still stuck at home. It got even more challenging because our business was growing so dramatically, but we didn't have the people yet to keep up with the pace at which we were growing. And we have a very scalable model in terms of, you know, we create content and as many people as we want to can watch it. Um, But there was a lot of stuff that, you know, when you go from a a tiny company of eight full-time employees to where we are now, um, there's a lot of growth that happens there. And there's a lot of, Sort of rejiggering of of how you work as an organization and who you need and the types of people from you know an early stage startup is about generalists to getting to where we are now where you need people with very specific skill sets and so I think that this year has really um, it's really pushed us to you know hire quickly make sure that we're hiring the right skill set we're figuring it, it out in real time exactly what we need. Um, you know, and, and setting the right kinds of goals that are, that are challenging, but they're meetable. Um, so figuring all of that out while still having people at home and not able to connect, like you, you lose a lot of the fun stuff when you're connecting over zoom or you're connecting over Google hangouts, you miss the, you know, the, the the walk by in the hallway or, you know, going to lunch with someone new And having like a really nice conversation. And so I think that's been challenging. Certainly for us, I think it's been challenging for most businesses. We have to remember to keep having fun and get people to work out together and get people, um, you know, just just to not have to be so laser focused on work all the time and make sure that they're having a really nice experience together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this is every, a, a lot of companies, not every company, many companies are, are facing that same, same trouble where there's just no playbook for, for bonding or building a community within your own company or organization, um, over, over virtual hanging out, you know, there's, what is virtual (laughs) hanging out? Is it even fun? Right. Um, and, and yet, you know, you, you guys have grown, um, I I forget 70 people now, how many, how many employees now?
1: Yeah, we have 70 across the org, including, you know, all of our part-time people and customer experience. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, we've grown really substantially in the last year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you've had this user growth too. So I wanted to talk about that, which is you had an 80% month over month user growth, um, from March, to May, and then at that point it slowed a little bit, evening out to about thirty percent. Um, and I think to me what that means is there's just been so much more competition this year, um, as every major um, fitness kind of institution or gym has has gone online, and every you know yoga instructor down your block too has has found an online platform. They it sort of took them some time, took them some months, but folks have these other options now, um, large or small, for for working out virtually. Some Gyms are back open now. How are you dealing with that that new wave of competition? That's sort of figured out something parallel to what you have.
0: Yeah, you know, for us, um, I think it's important to note that that well before COVID, we really did find you know market fit right away. Um, we have you know from what our research has has shown, we have the most engaged audience in this category with our with our top twenty percent of users are our evangelists and celebrities, if you will, taking uh, 44 plus classes a month with us? So, you know, when COVID hit, and obviously provided growth tailwinds, that that was one thing. And of course, um, of course, it spiked up the competition. But but with what we're seeing now, um, is that people are looking at this as um, they're looking for a little bit more of a Swiss Army knife, if you will, in the category, right? Fitness lifestyle is something that is so specific. We always say it's not just the, about the push-ups and the planks, right? It's about the community. It's about multiple instructors whom you love. It's about the variety. Um, it's about the what's next. The what are we doing next? What's the next program? What's the next theme class? All that good stuff. And so for us, as we look to the future, you know what we, what we do best, we will continue to do. And we'll also continue to adapt as we leave our homes. And what does that mean? That means what are the workouts that, are, that you take with you on the road? Work, travel, vacation. What are the things that you do with friends that are out in the park? What are the, the classes that we can give you? If you are if you are a gym goer, what are the classes that we can give you for you to do in an empty studio at the gym? Um, we're already seeing so much of that and we really wanna meet our, our customer there. The other thing that I wanna say is before COVID in 2019, we did over 40 events across the US and Canada, and we were on a track to a lot more in 2020. And those are moments to really get our members together, to meet each other, to meet their their favorite instructor and have a shared experience. I can tell you, Christine, we are so excited to get back on the road and we are really planning um, sort of a uh, full-fledged tour, if you will, around the country, around North America to make sure that we're getting our members to meet each other in person and meet their, their favorite instructors, and then bringing that feeling and bringing that experience back home.
2: Yeah, that's so neat. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about this sort of big step or big bet you're making on the power of community. Um, and I, I noticed on Obey, um, there's sort of these there's like new profile pages where you can connect with people and you can do a virtual workout party with your friends. I I know that there's there's a theory you have that that working out is is social, and I think over this past year it's been so difficult for people to have a comfortable sort of tertiary space. You know, there's been, there's home, there's work, and then there's the other stuff you do, which has like been zapped out of people's lives to a large extent. Um, and, and yet um, they can find community online, hopefully, right? Um, it's difficult. It's, it's a, it's a huge challenge. Um, what kind of resources are you putting into that? And what are your theories for, for kind of connecting um, in workouts, in a fitness space in the future?
1: community is is the backbone of everything that we do at Obey, obviously. So the, you know, the content that we deliver is, um, you know, given that it's an effective workout and the X factor is this sort of entertainment uh, piece of it, which keeps people really engaged. But the community has always been something that we were really excited to build and part of why we started the company. So, you know, for for both of us having, you know, obviously different experiences. I remember when I was a young agent at CA, I was 22 years old and I found a community, a yoga community in Santa Monica near where I lived. Um, and it was, I took these, these yoga classes, hip hop music. And there were these, this great group of girls, um, where it was, it was kind of a low stakes relationship where you said, hi, and you saw, you saw each other every Sunday when we took this class, um, and it was this very familiar environment where you could go to like work stuff out um, on a mat. And that was really powerful. And I know Mark had, um, you know, he has this amazing, uh, this amazing cycling community that he was a part of. And so I think for both of us, we always knew how important community is to a great fitness experience. And it is the thing that like, it, it it's part of what keeps you coming back. Like, you want you want the fun and the whimsy and the music and the experience, but you also want to do it with people so that you don't feel alone. And I think that's what a lot of fitness platforms, especially digital fitness platforms have not figured out because it's... It's this one way of sort of viewing an experience, but you don't feel like you're part of something bigger. And, and that's what people ultimately crave. And it's what keeps, you know, a, a group of women who walk together every week, like that's what keeps them coming back, a CrossFit audience, whatever the case may be. And so we've built in features onto our platform, um, like friending, like workout parties. And there are so much more that we are doing. Um, those two features are really kind of the backbone feature set, but we have a very big plan um, in terms of making social an even bigger part of our platform. Um, and we want you to engage with people, you know, digitally on obey and get recommendations and feel supported and have people celebrate your milestones and your wins with you. But then we also want to make sure that, you know, we have opportunities for you to, to meet up, you know, in an in an offline way. Um, you know, to Mark's point of, you know, doing 40 classes in 2019. Like that will always be part of our strategy to get people together in real life as well. And so um, doing both of those things really well in our minds will, you know, continue to create this incredibly strong community for people to feel supported.
2: Yeah, that's, that's great. And I I don't, well, I don't disagree with you that the community aspect is, is so important and so kind of fascinating and interesting and so useful for many people. I myself, like, I'm good being alone with my workout. Um, And and I think there's a little there's something a little scary letting letting other people into your living room. Right. I mean, we've all kind of experienced that this year. Um, But and also the, the larger point I guess I wanted to make was that building a social network is scary. It's like a, it's a really, like we've seen the challenges that the big networks have gone through and, and smaller ones too. Um, how daunted are you there and, and what kind of considerations are you making now sort of before you build all of it out?
1: Yeah, it, it, it is scary um, and you have to do it in the right way. I think that um, there's a lot of social networks that exist in the world and we're not trying to recreate what those social networks do well. I think what we're trying to do is deliver on the emotional part of a great fitness experience and allow people to share that together. So we're not we're not recreating Facebook groups, we're not recreating Instagram. Um, what we're doing is we're is we are finding ways within our experience to get people together if they want to find an accountability buddy, if they want to be part of a group, if there is a shared experience that people want to connect on, we want to provide the ability to do that in a very safe way. And like, I use the word safe um, because moderation is super important, making sure that, you know, things are done well and in the right way, and you are creating a place for people to share, perhaps not overly so. You make a really good point, Christine. It's important to like get it right and make sure that the features that you're launching are right. And that privacy is like of utmost importance. And so we're, we're doing it in a very measured way. Um, knowing that, you know, social networks, it's, it's not always easy to get it right.
0: And Christine, I also think it's a bit of a, a bit of a take what you need um, situation too, right? So, you know, with, with, with fitness specifically, um, some people are, are, are there for the community. Some people come for the workout and then realize that they're there, that they love a the community. And some people come for the workout and say, you know what? I'm good. My plate is so full. I'm, 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 I'm good on the connections front. Right. And so, and and that's okay too. And I think that for, you know, each sort of, um, you know, personality profile, if you will, it's our job to make sure we're giving you what you need. So if you just want great workouts every day at your fingertips and nothing more, we're going to bring it to you. And if on the other end, You want a a plethora of of fabulous new friends around the world that you can interact with, work out with, meet up in person. We're going to give you that too. And I I just think that as this world um, transitions into sort of a, a, we'll call it a COVID transition environment, while we balance out community, while we think of in-person ways to get folks together, the the message that I also want to be really uh, clear on behalf of the company is, you know, digital fitness at, quote unquote, at home fitness, which we really, we look at as fitness anywhere, um, is here to stay. And people have known that well before, I'm sure the days of Jack Elaine, um, through now. And, and, you know, in the beginning months of COVID, you had 60% of folks in the U.S. working out for the first time at home and they liked it. And we're in a situation where, even as we venture back out, and it is so exciting and so amazing to finally venture back out, you can't unsee the time you save by working out at home. You can't unsee the results you achieve, um, the value, the, the money you saved. Uh, and in the case of Obey, the friends you may have made as well. And so we will always bet big on, on people using their living rooms um, as their own, their own fitness oasis, uh, even when we are fully out of our current uh, COVID environment.
2: Great, thank you so much, Mark and Ashley for speaking with me today. Thanks for having us, Christine. Thanks, Christine. After talking to Mark and Ashley, what really stuck with me was that moment after the pandemic hit, when they sent all their staff home and then decided almost immediately to adapt. They sort of ran right into all of the challenges presented to them and came out stronger and more creative. And the company grew and grew. Now they're facing another massive challenge or something like 1,000 of them as every yoga studio, every individual instructor and fitness institution both has dived into online offerings and is beginning to open up again. Mark and Ashley are flexing their creativity again, branching into group workouts, into themed workouts, into huge brand partnerships, and even what might become a social lifeline for its fans. I also loved the respect that Mark and Ashley have for each other and the trust they have in their partnership that they've built while building their dream. Perhaps that strength they have in their partnership is one that has given them the ability to face challenges with that creativity they have, to take a hard moment and turn it into one to grow on. That is something we can all learn from. Also, I don't usually add a personal note to these shows, but something else remarkable happened. Um, Just two days after we recorded our interview, Ashley gave birth to her third baby. So I just wanted to sneak in a quick congratulations and an extra thanks to Ashley for speaking to us right before that moment. Incredible. What I Know is a production of Ink Magazine. If you're a new listener, welcome. Please follow What I Know so you don't miss our next episodes. If you have any friends interested in startups, entrepreneurship, or evolving as a leader, please send them a link to our show. And if you have any ideas for founders you'd love to hear on the show, feel free to drop us a note anytime at Inc.com. You can also let me know directly on Twitter at Ligorio. Our producer, who also prefers to work out in a pastel pulsing light box, is Joshua Christensen. I'm Christine Legorio-Chapkin. Thank you for listening to What I Know.